Welcome to episode 100 of Art of the Float, where float centers thrive, a weekly podcast where we share our stories of starting and running our float centers. We love it when you join us as we work together to raise our education level on building, marketing, and running our float centers. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and the Instagrams on Art of the Float. And uh, check us out on artofthefloat.com as well to find show notes, links, pictures from every episode, all that good stuff. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dylan. I own the float shop with my wife, Sandra, in Portland, Oregon, and I'm joined with Amy of Float Nashville, and producer Brian is out this week. Uh, Before we get started, um, we've got the whole FTA discussion that went on that got a little little heated, and I'm excited to share that with everybody. But uh, first, I do just want to thank the people who are supporting us on Patreon. This week, we have a few more people who signed up. Alyssa Palermo, thank you so much for supporting us, and Mark and Jennifer Gurley, thank you guys so much for supporting us and being fans of the show. I absolutely love it, and I hope that uh, you enjoy the photos as well, and a new photo set is coming here October 1st as well. So, um, very excited to uh, honestly, we're just so humbled by your guys' support. It leaves yes. me a bit speechless. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you from the South, from South Nashville as well. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> nice. Thank you, thank you. Kindness. Patre- Patreon.com forward slash art of the float is where you want to go if you want to help support us as well. And let's see here. Oh, also, Float Helm. I don't know if anybody here has heard of Float Helm before. It's this little. <laughs> Little grassroots uh, software. It actually is. That's the incredible thing about it. It is. It is grassroots. You think about these huge businesses that are doing these scheduling software, uh, Mind Body Booker, and you end up banging your head against the wall using them. Uh, and these guys opened a float center and they said, "Well, this is just garbage. Why don't we do this ourselves?" They learned how to code. Graham and Ashcon. T- uh, I think they traded floats for coding. Uh, lessons. And uh, not to say they wrote the entire program, they, they definitely brought other people in. I think Ian is their main programmer there, and uh, who's very helpful, by the way. And uh, they've created scheduling software really from the ground up for float centers. So flowhelm.com is where you want to go to check it out. And of course, uh, schedule a free tour. They actually get on on uh, Skype with you and, and walk you through a shared screen of what's going on in Helm and how it would work for your company. So it, it only makes sense to at, at least check it out. Flowhelm.com. So we got a long episode here. I think we're going to uh, play the, the whole FTA audio. And I'll, I'll mention this again, but I just want to give a little heads up that we weren't fully prepared to record this. It was a little uh, short notice uh, to bring in some microphones there. And so the audio might not be as perfect. So if you're listening in your car or somewhere where there's a lot of outside audio, it might not be the best environment for that. You might want to wait till you're at home, you know, have the, have the headset on, that kind of thing uh, for to just because some, some of the highs are going to be pretty high and some of the lows will be, or, or yeah, the volume will be a bit low. So just a little heads up on that once we do segue to, uh, to the FTA portion. Amy, how are you doing this week? I am, I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> um, it's been, no, it's okay. Um, it's one of those weeks where things are, are kind of weird, but they're also so weird they're laughable. Um, as okay. you know, I, I know I've got to explain that, right? Uh, we are starting our second flow center, and we are in the permitting stage. So all of our architecture, everything's everything is at codes right now. And hmm. now, normally codes goes pretty quick, uh, given how fast the area is growing. But uh, they are holding our permits, oh. and uh, we have to. Uh, 
to answer some of their concerns. Now, anyone who's starting a flow center can appreciate this. Whether you've had this exact problem or not, you will understand and laugh along with me at the craziness of what is going on right now. And that is, you know what the codes guy was concerned about? He wanted us, or he wants us, actually, as of this recording, he wants us to put grease traps in each float room, number one. Because of the deep fry? Because it's a float and fry? (laughs) Exactly, Mm. float and fry. (laughs) That's a million dollar idea. Mm. (laughs) I knew that I was going to make money out of floating one way or another. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So when we're not Mm. floating people, we're going to fry up some, I don't know, maybe some donuts or something. But I'm a pretty, I'm a greasy guy. I get that. I I get it. Like a little trap for just (laughs) when I shower off that sludge that comes off. Well, you know, this is the concern. I would love to know his concern. This is concern. Because, and I quote, how do we know you're not going to put some bacon grease in them there tanks? Swear to God. Okay. Um, How do you respond? What the like, F does that do mean? Like what? Why? Like, first of all, what? Uh, what no, why? he was What'd he you was think? pulling your no. leg. He was being Ew. silly. No, this he, is a funny guy. Written... These guys are classically mm. trained comedians. They understand. <laughs> they they go to the groundlings. What is, are you? Except this is the reason about? he's holding my permits. Um, and the other are thing, I don't know. Me? I don't even know. Like, I don't even know where was to the, start. Was there any like, kind of I back and forth? No. Yeah, the, you, your dumbfoundedness, nope. like your speechlessness. Yeah. That's exactly totally. what I'm feeling as well. Like, yep. Whoa. I, she, yeah, my architect uh, Liz <laughs> called me and told me this, and I'm, I, I'm like, I'm sorry, say that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing was, um, he's like, well, you don't need all these showers, and I'm like, no. You're the codes oh, guy. All wow. you need to do is make sure that the showers are up to code. Funny. It's not just, like, we're not talking Department of Health here, y'all. This is just codes. <laughs> um, so I'm like, when does codes get to tell me yeah. how to run my business? Or So um, Liz called me. She's like, you know, I could take Mark, who's my business partner, um, but I really think that you'd be a little better at maybe explaining why you don't need grease traps in your room and why you need showers. Um, So we had to gather a bunch of information. I mean, a bunch of information. Oh, and then he was concerned. Then he started to get concerned about the saunas that we're putting in. Now, the saunas, there are three other people in Murfreesboro who have the same saunas. So (laughs) why all of a sudden this is an issue, I'm not sure. Uh, so we had to gather just tons and tons and tons of information, which, by the way, um, I was I spent my week, my last week up in uh, Pennsylvania. I had to run up there to, to hang out on the farm a little bit. And on the farm, I have no phone access and I have very little Internet. So we're trying to do all this. And I'm like getting in my car and driving to the top of the hill, like holding my phone out the window, trying to figure out the right angle to hold my phone as I'm trying to 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 get this information back and forth. I can't get online. It was crazy. Um, so it was just very, very difficult. We finally got everything together yesterday and um, wrapped it all up and sent it um, sent it over. So I'm hoping they release okay. our permits soon. We do have finally have a contractor standing by. The, the moment our permits are released, they're ready to go in and start build out. Nice. Cool. But in the meantime, I just have to convince them we don't need grease traps. Grease tra- That's... Something out of Rick and Morty. That is the it, weirdest. It's that weird. is a bizarro alternate dimension conversation. That is, I, 
Yeah. Yet, yet, I bet we have listeners who have heard even more ridiculous things. Oh, I, I'm not alone. I oh know. I have faith in our industry <laughs> that I'm not alone in the craziness of all this. Uh, so, yeah. So, I've been working on convincing uh, codes officers that I don't need grief, grease traps. But um, enough of me, <laughs> Dylan, because there's just nothing else to say about that. <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, I just, I just like chilling. I seen just chilling. I know. I know. Um, it's a good thing we get together every week, right? I know. <laughs> and catch up. <laughs> What's this microphone doing here? Uh, so, um, pretty smooth sailing as far as the float shop goes and everything. But something that has come up is that we are saying no to a lot of people uh, that we can't book massage with them. Huh. And so uh, we did this uh, because because uh, <laughs> because of wonderful wizard he was. Sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. Uh, for a couple reasons. So we're saying no because we don't have LMT availability. I mean, that's that's the real reason. And I guess you could argue the limited amount of space. Uh, but really, it's limited LMTs. And we're finding that a lot of them are going on vacation quite a bit. And there's just a lot of lack of availability. So we're doing a couple things to tune that up a little bit better so that it runs more like a well, well-oiled machine that serves the float shop as well. You know, it's just a little bit more balance with, with the LMT's time and mm-hmm. our time investment. Uh, and management. And then the other part is we just did a big hiring, just a, just a ton of interviews, which is just the hardest hiring mm. LMTs laying down for 30 minutes to an hour and feeling uh, incredible LMTs work out their, their best game on you is <laughs> just the worst. So exhausting. Oh, yeah. Dylan, I'm so I sorry. I know. So, you know, I, you've had a rough week, but you know, I hate to be a one-upper, but, but there you go. And, uh, yeah. So Sandra and I kind of split that 50, 50 and, you know, cause you'd get burnout. You're just going to get burnout if one person takes it all. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel fair if, you know, she had to take that whole burden. So, uh, You're yeah, a good we, man. Good we husband. Did, thank you. We found a lot of really great people. We, you know, we know who we are a lot better now. So we're able to identify who is part of, who would, who would, not just be a great LMT, but who would be a great LMT and jive with our customer base, all that good stuff. So uh, we are expanding our hours. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. October, we're doing a, actually a sale on massage uh, to encourage people to come in and experience massage with all our new LMTs, with our expanded hours. We're bring, uh, bringing people in a little bit earlier and keeping them a little bit later, splitting shifts. And um, we finally are launching our secret menu massage membership plan. So the float membership plan, we finally got out that out the door recently. And if you're a longtime listener, you know we've been wanting to do that since basically episode one. And uh, we finally launched that. And then in the background, uh, we have always wanted, not always, but we decided we we're going to do a massage membership, but not announce it to everybody. So we don't, we don't want to market to two different things out to our audience. We just want it really simple floats. That's our bread and butter floats. But when you come in during this time, all our LMTs are trained up on what this new membership is and they can talk to these people about it so that if they want to come back with any regularity, they get nice discounts and, uh, and we get recurring payments, which is always nice as a small business owner. So absolutely, we'll have both those prongs out. So I've got two questions for you. I'm not going to be able to answer one of them, but go ahead. Dang. All right. I, I mean, can guarantee carefully. it. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned you were expanding hours. Is it just your hours for your LMTs oh, or is I'm it sorry. hours for the float shop overall? It's it's uh, getting closer to the hours that were open overall. So okay. uh, yeah, the float shop's already open, I think eight to 10. And so 
massage was a much smaller window. So again, I think I think our massage will start at eight or nine. I think we didn't start till ten. It's it's a little late in the morning that we get started with our massage. So it'll be earlier and then it'll go um, till evening. I think I want to say seven or eight. We don't want to go too late with the massage because then I think there can be a little bit of confusion about what our motives are. Uh, so. Yeah, stoked about that. And what was your other question? Uh, boy, now here's the one you're not going to be able to answer. Yeah. This is the important one. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously you have independent contractors as massage therapists. Indeed. Um, and what I'm curious about is you were mentioning that the reason that you were you were doing this is you were having some difficulty mm. um, getting enough LMTs because they were taking vacations. And mm-hmm. that is one of the downsides as far as a, a business goes as of having independent contractors is they make their own schedule and you just kind of have to work with their schedule. Mm-hmm. Would you change things up and, and switch? Would, would you consider switching your LMTs to employees or are you still happy with the way that your company works with uh, independent contractors? So um, I'm glad that was your question because I thought it was a different question that I wasn't going to be able to answer. I almost knew what your question was going to be, so I'm glad I'm wrong. Oh, and maybe answer that one later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that off the air. Uh, I, I think um, they're actually employees. Uh, so oh, we. Okay. So if I if I misspoke earlier, I apologize for that because they have been no, contractors my- a lot. Uh, yeah, that's pad. what I thought. That's yeah. just my it was my assumption. So they're um, your your LMTs are employees now. Yeah, in, uh, okay. Portland kind of cracked down on that a few years ago, and basically, well, Sandra always wanted them. We just wanted us to be safe because there's no clear delineation. I mean, you can look at the sheet, and it's like, are you kidding me? Nobody is all this or all that. There's lots of bleed over, and it's really just who's looking at it and how they're feeling that day. So we decided, you know what, the safe way is just make them employees. We pay a higher tax rate. Um, and, and and that's obviously why Portland started cracking down. It's not like they care, but there's more money to be made for them if, if, uh, they're employees rather than contractors. And so, um, yeah, we just made the switch and that might not be the case for a few of like our on-call or very small amount of hours, but basically you can make an agreement with anybody about, you know, how long they have to wait or how early they have to put in notice or that if somebody's going to replace your shift, you have to find somebody else, those kind of things. And those are the things we're building to, to make sure that things stay fluid and people just aren't out of town. And we're just like, well, God, I guess I just got to start texting LMTs uh, because this person all of a sudden isn't on the schedule. So uh, I hope that answers your question. It does. It does. Thank you very much. Great. Uh, what I, the question I thought you were going to ask was how much uh-huh. our massage membership is, and <laughs> which I shouldn't have even brought you up. Can't but, answer. But other people, and I actually can't answer that. I'll try to look it up here uh, while we're talking. But <laughs> I actually forget forget the amount or if that we completely decided on that because I mean we are as of listening to this we might have sent the email out and it might be live uh, or it might be another day or so. But uh, yeah. So now I'm curious, what exa- I'm sure other people are curious who are listening as well. What mm-hmm. is your massage membership? Is there any kind <laughs> of benefits for floating or is it literally just for massage? Well, Amy, uh, good, good question. Good question. I'm going to filibuster here for a little bit. I'm going to a- my, answer my question with another question at you, which is how much do you care about massage? And no, uh, I think... Well, you- yeah, we want to uh, we want to cross pollinate, yeah. right? And so yeah. our current float massage, uh, excuse me, our float membership is baller. Like you get a great price uh, initially. All future floats are super discounted, and you get great discounts on uh, um, 
massage and acupuncture with us as well. So it even our float massage does take care of those other things. You just don't automatically get a massage every single month. So the massage one is I prioritize having a massage every month and then everything else is discounted beyond that, whether it's your next uh, massage or um, any other floats or acupuncture that you want to have. Does that okay. make sense? It does. It does. And so, the reason I asked is please. because there's so many people who are expanding. They start out with a float center, but now they're mm. expanding and adding other things, including massage. It seems to be popular. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that's of interest to a lot of people. And I, I'd love to hear what other people are doing as well. Um, you know, just to explain a little bit why my head is all over the place while answering these things is this has been a long-term game of figuring this out. Uh, my project has been coming up with the email blast over the last week uh, that we're going to be putting out and focusing on the marketing. Well, Sandra has been doing the behind-the-scenes stuff of setting up MindBody and doing all that for for us. So it it's kind of funny. It's almost like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And then right before we go, we come together, have an insane battle over what the price should be or what the, that word should be. That really changes everything in the email that really doesn't matter that much. Uh, and then, and then we move forward. So, um, hope that, uh, clarifies why I'm a little all over the place with it. Yeah. Sounds like you got a system down though. That's all that really matters at the end of the day, right? Yeah. It, it, it really does work well. I'm, I've been really happy with it, uh, our, our kind of workflow together and finding our roles and everything. Um, I, honestly, I don't think that she's thrilled with the fact that she does taxes basically year-round and payroll. Like Those aren't fun things. And no. if, if we could just pay somebody to do all of that, and, and we have somebody who you know, does our taxes, but it's not, like, it's not everything. And uh, so it, sometimes I think it's not a, quite a fair balance between what we're doing and what I look forward to do during the day and what she has to do during the day. But, but that's for another episode, I'm sure. We'll, we'll get her on to <laughs> see how she feels about that. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, that's, that's what's going on with the Shappy. Yeah, and I'm, I'm stoked about that. Oh, and we have some space next door as well that we could, you know, test out, you know, do people, are people okay having massage in the building next door? And then maybe continue expanding in that direction as well. So... There, there are potentials, yeah. It's nice to have that space to play with. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to that opportunity someday. Well, uh, it's fun to play with, and you're always paying rent for it. So it, that. That, there's yeah. that. <laughs> the, the, for a very long time, the float shop paid for that space for us to uh-huh. experiment, you know. And maybe to this day, there's still some truth to that. So it, it's fun, but there's a cost, literally. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shoshana reached out to me. She wanted to introduce the FTA audio. And so I think, again, we're just going to play this this whole thing. But the first 10 or 15 minutes was cut off of this recording. So Shoshana has a little audio segment that she recorded to play before this. So I'm, that's why it's going to kind of segue twice to her recording and then to the actual discussion that took place. Uh, I strongly encourage everybody to listen to this. I think there are really important points that are covered. I think the FTA is a very important group, and I think it's really important for us to be educated on what's going on with them and what we expect out of them, to be to be quite honest. And uh, it'll be great for us as a community to all be on that same page. Uh, there is also some regulation stuff uh, that's brought up as well. I think we'll have the FTA on very soon and actually get into that because just things are changing so quickly with uh, those potential, I shouldn't say regulations, but um, well, yeah, yeah, I guess I should say regulations. It's crazy that we're actually at that point now. 
uh, my goodness, it felt like that day would never come. And here we are. Again, there's a lot of really good stuff here. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, before we go, I do just want to give a shout out to our ProFloat affiliate uh, community, our ProFloat affiliate uh, friend. If you go to artofthefloat.com forward slash ProFloat, uh, they are selling specific uh, equipment for float centers. And so you can help support within the community, buy through them. And of course, just kind of like our Amazon links, a few shekels comes to us as well. We appreciate that. And we appreciate ProFloat for being awesome distributors. It's uh, pleases me greatly how they're running things. <laughs> and I think that's about it. Amy, is there anything else you want to sign off with? Nope. I would just like to thank everyone who has been so kind to support us uh, hmm. through the last... Well, actually, we're on our... Did you know we're on episode 100? This is episode 100. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. This is episode 100. Uh, uh, Dios mio. I can't believe it's, it's been this long. There's been a few bonus episodes. I almost want to say next episode would be 100, but numerically, I mean, this is 100 here. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Uh, but yeah, people have been supporting us since as yeah. soon as we had... I mean, first of all, they were just listening. So that was incredible. And then, yeah, and people showed up. People actually listened to us talking. Can you believe that? <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but I've yeah. enjoyed it. It gave me an oh opportunity to meet people that I probably would have never met otherwise. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really feel uh, feel like I'm part of something special. Nice. Well, uh, I just love weekly being able to talk with you. Every single week, it's cathartic. <laughs> it's so good. I know what's going on with your business, and I know I have somebody to vent to or just share the wins, too. I feel like I've recently been having a lot of wins, and that's felt really good because there have been a lot of of work. And so it's been nice to share that with uh, with you and and with Lance, who's been with us through most of these episodes as well. And um, what else do I want to say about that? Oh, yeah. And then, of course, people supporting us through the Amazon links and now the Patreon, and it's just kind of kind of cool to be growing and of course our sponsors as well people who've been with us for so long and supporting us when we had just a few people listening and now we have a lot of people listening and it's really cool so thanks to everybody and um yeah just thanks thanks to this community uh this will be our final recording from the float conference we're gonna switch gears back to having guests on more guests on and talking about um you know ways to start and run and improve your float center get back to that with some more original content if you will so that's exciting and um there's a few cool announcements we're gonna do a few more things that are more community oriented and I'm excited about that because that's that's what we always wanted this podcast to be was very community centric and so there are a couple more steps that we'll we're going to be taking to make it just that and we'll be announcing that I guess next week so that'll be fun or at least some of it next week until then here is Shoshana hi everyone this is Shoshana Liebner from the FTA also known as the actually known as the flotation tank association Um, I'm the director. I also have been a float consultant for 30 years working in 50 countries. Um, My main goal these days is to is to protect and serve the industry. So nice to be here with everyone. It's been a busy year for all of us. I'm sure you can all relate to that. We just want to let you know what's been going on, what we've been working on behind the scenes, because obviously we haven't been great at communication, which we're working on. Um, But I've got together a new board of directors. So the current board is Kevin and Carol Johnson, Lee and Glenn Perry, Ashcon and Graham, Stephen Johnson, Cecil Roebuck, David Wasserman, Lori Arroyo, myself, and Tom Fine. 
we have these count for nine votes. So we have nine vote voting members, and we have currently uh, fifty. Uh, <laughs> we currently have fifty active members, and we've had up to two hundred members in the last five years over the time. Um, our past role was really more behind the scenes, creating um, information, education, working with health department officials, creating float standards, basically being the backbone of the industry. We tackled the NSF. Uh, I produced the magnesium study. Um, we're now working with the CDC, the CMAC, which we'll get into shortly. We actually have really big news, but that didn't happen when the conference was happening. Um, today we'll shed light on what's going on, what we're doing, and what we're about to address. The subjects we're gonna cover today are about regulations, CDC, private or public, private versus public, more information about the CDC, and then we're gonna open it up to you, we wanna hear from you, what's going on, what you need, what you're looking for, what you're disappointed with, how can we serve you? Thanks everyone, thanks for coming. So let's begin, welcome to FTA Shaping the Future of Floating. Hello everybody, Hello, Hi. Kevin Johnson, I'm with Zero Gravity Institute down in Austin, Texas, and I'm also a manufacturer of Zero Gravity Flow Rooms, and I sit on the board of directors for the FTA. So, uh, as Shoshana mentioned, our, our role is beginning to change. Um, so one thing that you can kind of see from the, the board here is that, like kind of a bunch of old timers. Most of us have been floating now for 30, 40 plus years. And uh, so we bring a lot of experience to the FTA. Uh, important because of the way our role's changing. So I want, I want to describe for you something that's going on right now, and, and others here on the board are going to get into the details of this a little bit. Um, are you guys aware, have you heard about the situation that's going on with the CMAC, the Committee for the Model Aquatic Health Code? Is that ringing familiar to people, and, and we've been through this similar kind of process with the NSF. So what I want to kind of explain to you here, just so that we have clarification before we all get started, is exactly what it is that we're talking about when we talk about the CMAC, when we talk about the NSF, we talk about the NEHA, the WWQA, there's a lot of organizations out there that will seek to regulate industries like ours. It's kind of important to understand that there's uh, a difference between these organizations and the government, right? It's easy for us to look at these situations and say, well, this is the government trying to regulate our industry. Uh, part of that confusion comes because um, government organizations like the CDC will rely very, very heavily on the regulations that are written by organizations like the CMAC and like the NSF. So here's the important distinction that I, that I want you guys to understand before we get started today. The, the CMAC, the, the uh, Committee for Model Aquatic Health Code, this is not a federal agency. They're not a federal organization. It's a nonprofit organization. 
The NSF, they have a fancy logo, looks very federal. They are not a governmental organization. They, both of these organizations, as with the other ones that I mentioned, these are nonprofit organizations. And the way they work is like this. They'll look around and they'll find an industry like ours that doesn't have an existing set of regulations. And they will work to create those regulations, and they do that for one reason. And that reason is revenue. They're creating revenue streams, okay? So we went through this process over the last couple of years with the NSF, where they, they asked our industry to give them money to create a series of tests so that they could figure out how to regulate us. They didn't, they didn't have uh, risks that they were concerned about. There was no evidence that, that we posed a risk to the public, but they did take note that we weren't regulated. So they asked us to create a set of tests uh, that they could figure out what our solution was all about and figure out, you know, with, with our input, help, help them to write a set of regulations. And then along with that regulations, manufacturers would be required to uh, get a certification, which we were quoted $40,000 for uh, certifying our equipment. So really the bill probably would have come in more like $50,000, right? So they can't, they, that system isn't gonna work for them in a vacuum, right? So what those organizations are doing is they're going out to municipalities and they're, um, basically marketing those regulations to the municipalities. So they'll go to a Department of Health and they'll say, hey, we've created this set of regulations for the floating industry and we want you to pay us X amount of dollars to adopt those regulations and implement them and use them as your code so that you can uh, uh, make sure this industry is safe. This is really appealing to municipalities because what municipalities are interested in is pushing the liability over to somebody else. So if, there, if you open your float center, something happens, the health department says, hey, we just, we adopted these regulations, we didn't write them, we just, we're just enforcing them. Right, so that's, that's the circle. The, the organization creates the regulations, they certify people in the industry, and they market those regulations to the municipality so the municipality can hold the industry responsible for meeting those standards. That's weird, is that totally true? Yeah, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> And, and so that, that's essentially the platform that organizations like the NSF, like the, the CMAC, are working from that. The, the um, current issue that we're having with the Model Aquatic Health Code, they'll write that, the CDC will adopt that, and then the, the CMAC will market the, the, that uh, set of regulations to municipalities and then will be held to that standard. So my goal here is really just to get everybody kind of understanding what it is that's going on. The government is not regulating us. These are regulating bodies, non-profits, as weird as that is that they can call themselves that. that that's what's going on. As you're gonna find out today, this poses some threats to our industry. And these guys are gonna go into more detail about this, but Essentially, the FTA's position on this is that these regulations are not based in science. They, it's demonstrably provable that they lack fundamental understanding about what it is that we do, right? What they see is water. 
They look at our industry and they see water, and then they associate that with certain risks. Okay? So one of the things that uh, we want to encourage everybody to do, this is solution. We're not using water in our tanks. We're using solution. And part of the reason that there's confusion around our industry is because we talk about it like water. That piques their interest. Right? So it's the basis for their lack of understanding about our industry and why they seek to impose regulations on us that include us in, with, with things like <coughs> swimming pools and hot tubs and water parks and things like that. So um, Bengal here is to just kind of set that foundation, that understanding so everybody kind of knows what's going on as this information comes through. In my opinion, it poses somewhat of an existential threat to our entire industry. None of us are immune to the effects of these regulations. None of us are grandfathered in. Just because you have your float center open now does not mean that your municipality cannot come in behind you and say, we've adopted these new regulations and we want you to comply with them. Some of what's being proposed are pretty unreasonable regulations. They're based on a fundamental lack of understanding and certainly no consideration as to the impact that it could have on our industry as a whole. So we have some uh, foundation to start with. We can show that it, that it really does impose un, uh, unnecessary burden on our industry and that it's not based in science. So just um, the main thing is to get you to understand what's going on here and realize that the FTA is really the first line of defense. We're the ones that are going to organize. We're the ones that are go going to approach these uh, different agencies that seek to regulate us and challenge their ability to do so. And when it's appropriate, to participate with them in the creation of those regulations and standards. Important to understand that the FTA is not anti-regulation. We're okay with people trying to regulate our industry. We just want to be afforded due process. We want to make sure that our voices are heard and that the science of our industry is understood before those regulations are arbitrarily assigned to us. Okay? So that, that's really all I want to say. I just want us all to be on the same page as we allow these other great people opportunities to talk. Thank, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. want to add some details to what Kevin was saying. So the, the, the CMAC, the Council for Model Aquatic Health Code, is an organization uh, that is uh, respected internationally for engaging uh, the, the uh, body that it's, um, uh, for engaging the industry that it is drawing guidelines for. However, in this instance, it did not engage the industry, and even then, a very small number, until the guidelines were already written and they were offered for comment. And then, when the comments, when people took their time to read what the, the guidelines, and make their comments, the comments were ignored. 
and they were admittedly ignored. The, the, um, the CMAC has an interest in regulating the water, the recreational water industry, and they saw flotation tanks as a member of that industry without formal regulation and were determined to have guidelines. And they didn't, they, their attitude, their admitted attitude, is that, well, we review these guidelines every two years and it really doesn't matter, we just want something on the books. Without concern for the, ex for the expense that it could have to a really emerging industry. Um, and how those regulations can kill innovation. Um, so regulations can come kind of in three forms. They can be very prescriptive. Uh, for instance, a specific type of plastic. Or they can be very loose. So one way they can be loose is that the systems that they call out, how they call out the operations are, um, uh, you can't tell, does that mean that the entire tank needs to be NSF certified, or is it just NSF certified components? They, there are certain specificities with looseness that, that and vague, and oftentimes health departments are going to go for the most the strictest interpretation for to pass liability, um, or on the on the positive side, the guidelines can be of a sort that here's the mark we want to hit, and to at their guidelines for health departments to have some looseness in terms of governing based on experience. Um, that doesn't, that, that um, type of regulation does not show up in the MAC code. Um, so, the, so the FTA objections to the MAC is the float uh, industries being treated outside of their norm. In, in terms of not participating in the development of the guidelines. And a lot of the standards are set for potable water. Well, nobody is, first of all, it's not water, it's a solution. Please, change your language, everyone. And no one is drinking it. Um, and so also the NSF ANSI 50 standards are referenced repeatedly and they're specifically related to pools and spas and they were designed for very large systems, 50,000 gallon uh, swimming pools. So those standards are inappropriate for our industry. Um, so that's what the FTA wants to go on record that these guidelines have been adopted unfairly without adequately 
and generally accepted industry input, and without enough data to determine the, necess the necessity of many of these standards. We don't, it's the same with the bacteria counts and a certain number of turnovers between each float. We don't know what people come in with, so we don't know how many turnovers are required to get it to be a potable water standard. So what we, we are encouraging everyone to join us in this campaign to, um, first of all, to develop data to, 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 um, to um, collect test data so that we know what's in the tank. People are taking tests and, um, and to um, complain. The way that the voting, the voting will be in October for these guidelines. The voting is weighted on uh, health departments. I, there are about, there are, I don't know, 693 members of the council, and I don't know that all of them are voting, that that's who votes, I'm making an assumption. And it's the, the health departments, their votes are weighted for 50% of the votes, and whatever manufacturers are the other members there, however many they are, that's weighted 50% of the vote. And so the health departments carry a, um, a, a large influence in this. And so if any of you know, have a good relationship with your health department, if, if you've shown them that your tank center has been operating safely and they're in agreement, then talk to them. Talk to anyone you know who you think could have any influence and, um, you know, tell the story. Thank you. going through the regular uh, regime of regulation, and Glenn has uh, discovered something he'd like to share with you. So what I'm suggesting is not uh, to do this as opposed to something else, but for us to consider whether we might want to do this in addition to something else. In other words, uh, we may still wish to influence the voting, we may still wish to do some kind of legal uh, operation relative to CMAC and so on, but I would like us to know about this as a possibility. There is something called a, well, first of all, it's your health department is, and even the CDC and so on, 
all of these agencies, all of these bodies are working to protect the public. So it is possible to become a private membership association. As soon as you do that, they have no reason or need to protect you. Suddenly, you have moved out of the game. You are your own entity that they don't care about. So you can do whatever you want, unless there is very clear danger, such as people getting killed or something. Now, that does not mean that some municipality may say, wait a minute, you aren't really a private thing, you're really public, and we're going to go to court and prove that to you. It turns out that there are entities who can help you fight that in court. They have been in operation for 43 years. They have successfully done this consistently. It has gone all the way to the US Supreme Court. And these organizations, are these uh, PMAs, private membership associations, are very successful. And the re one of the reasons they're successful is that there are entities that are making sure that when you go to court, you're going to win. And they have all of the paperwork necessary to handle this, and it regular lawyers generally do not know anything about this area. Whereas this uh, group that goes to bat for you is, that's, that's, that is what they exist for. And so we'd like to consider whether you all would be interested in this there are two ways to go. You can join, and I don't, I'm not sure what that costs, but you can join, and then if a municipality comes after you, then this entity will go to bat for you. If you wait to, to create a PMA until a municipality comes after you, then it costs more, okay? So if you do it ahead of time, it costs less. If you wait till you're under attack, then it, uh, then it takes more. But it's still, I don't know what it, what it will cost, but it's in, in, uh, in the first case, it's probably between 10 and 20,000. In the uh, second case, it's probably be 20, between 20 and 30,000, yes. Um, so do you mean that each individual float center would, would become a private club? Exactly. 
like yeah. the Italian model. Yeah, that's the side of that Italy, yeah. Yeah, it's prevented floating getting Right, there. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you become a membership. Uh, each each center would be a member, yes. Yes, uh, the uh, alternative medical things. There's huge numbers of practitioners who uh, don't feel they want to be regulated as medical people and um, who come after them, and they they. Uh, they, they use this uh, line of defense. The, one of the early things that, that uh, did this was the NAACP in the 50s, maybe it was 60s, I don't know. Uh, anyway, it went all the way to the US Supreme Court and uh, it was successful. The, the legal precedents here are totally on the side of being successful. So. Glenn, do you know if a float center said that any person floating was automatically becoming a member of their club without even realizing they're doing it, would that be legal? I, I, I have no idea, I doubt it. Also, when you advertise, you have to put on your uh, advertisement a private membership association. Essentially with private membership associations, I did a little research on it. They usually have you sign a fairly detailed contract. You're becoming a member, you agree not to sue them, you agree not to, you know, certain liability issues and things like that. You're now a member of the club and you can participate in this. And right, if you begin, if you were to advert, if you would do Groupons, you couldn't do Groupons with, for a private membership association. There's, it would put certain restrictions on the type of advertising you could do. And it may or may not get around certain kinds of regulations. I mean, it, it is something that, as Glenn is saying, they could take you to court and they could say you're a public entity. They could also take you to court and say, well, yeah, there, there is a substantial danger here. And they could argue that. You'd have to argue against it. So there are positives to it. I know that uh, some organizations that sell raw milk uh, have become private membership organizations in order for, you know, because raw milk is considered a public health hazard. So that you can, you know, become a member of a private me a membership organization and buy raw milk. Um, that's done in Michigan, not far from where I live. Uh, so, you know, there are some possibilities to it, but like everything else, then it becomes a legal question, right? And I don't know much about the organizations that Glenn is talking about, but there are probably ones out there that, for a fee, you know, you can participate in it. Maybe they do collectively handle legal, these legal issues for you. So we're gonna have Jason come up for a couple minutes and then Kevin's gonna wrap up. And we wanna keep the, this session open for all of you to talk, to ask us 
uh, what we can do for you, or, or tell us what you need from our association. So come on up, please. Uh, thank you, Shoshana. Um, hi, my name is Jason McDonald, and I'm, I'm like Shoshana said at the start, I'm not part of the uh, of the board. Um, however, I feel compelled to belong to this community because our interests are aligned. And uh, I'm a public health inspector, so I know that not everybody has a very positive relationship with public health inspectors, and that's sort of what drew me to this, uh, is because um, because of those negative relationships with my peers, and I want to be involved in making it better. Um, I, I would echo everything that's been set up here that uh, any public policy should be rooted in sound evidence and the experiences of the industry and who better to talk to than people that are up here and yourselves. And that hasn't been done yet in this process that's uh, been initiated through the Modern Aquatic Health Code. And that frustrates me not because I'm an owner or not because I float or don't float. It frustrates me because down the line, it'll be public health inspectors enforcing these rules and they don't make sense. I can't tell you, the operator, you must do this because they're not rooted in sound science and that's what's ultimately frustrating for me. So our interests are aligned. Um, my definition of public health doesn't stop in the borders of Alberta where I live. Um, you're the public, uh, Portland is the public, so my services and expertise, even though they're limited, um, belong to you and so I just want to invite you to comment or talk to me anytime. Um, I don't charge anything and uh, you know maybe that's a good thing or else <laughs> but uh, I think it just uh, in the in the uh, vein of like let's have a relationship with health, a positive relationship with health, I hope I can play a small role in that. So uh, with that said I'll turn it back over to Kevin. Thank you. All right here comes the pitch. <laughs> What can you guys do? What we need right now is the resources to explore and execute strategies to protect this industry from these outside forces. <laughs> we're talking about legal strategies. We're talking about collecting data that we can present to bolster our case. Uh, so what we're looking for from the floating community this year is to really rally, really put your support toward the FTA in terms of membership, okay? Uh, as Shoshana was saying earlier, there's some benefits to that in that you can rely on us to uh, be that point of contact as you start to engage with your, with your municipalities, if you have issues with manufacturers. Uh, when you're looking for the, the, what standards and best practices that you should be using, the FTA has a really good standard. It's been developed over a period of like about 35, 36 years now, I think is when that standard first. Well, the standard, yeah. First one was published in the 80s, yes. right? But the organization's been working on it for a long time. What we're trying to do is make that standard ubiquitous. We, we just had a great meeting last night with the Flow Collective. They've... Um, uh, Generously. Yes, yes, they generously um, agreed to like kind of team up with us. Not that we ha haven't been on the same team, but now we have a focused commitment from everybody. And uh, what we want to do is to get everybody in the industry behind this one standard so that we can show these organizations that we can regulate from within our industry. 
And the best way to do that is to all agree on the standard that we're going to use and spread that standard, link to that standard on your website. What we're trying to do is make it so that when health officials go to find information about float centers, because a lot of times, you know, a given municipality, the first time somebody comes to them and asks for a building permit, maybe the first time that they've ever even heard about floating, and the first thing that they're going to do is Google it, and then we have to, we, we have to control where that leads them. And what we're looking for is for our standard, the, the, the industry standard, the FTA standard, to be the information that they find. We want, we want to be the first couple of pages of search results. And that is, that's going to happen if you guys all participate and, and uh, link to that standard from your websites. Okay? One of the plans that we have, uh, one of the strategies that we have to gain strength and legitimacy as we present that standard to the world is a certification program whereby your float centers will commit to adopting those standards that are set forward by the FTA, the best practices set forward by the FTA, uh, and, and you um, make the agreement to follow and stick to those standards, as well as the taking the information and following the guidelines that are presented by the manufacturers. Okay, so part of what the FTA is going to do is to make sure that the manufacturer's directions, what's coming to you in the handbooks and the user's manuals, squares with the FTA standard, right? We want to make sure that uh, people that are out there selling consulting services or packages of business information, how to start your float center, things like that, that those people are also squaring with the FTA standard. The goal here is to try to get everybody on the same page so that when outside organizations look to us and we say, no, we don't need you. We're already all on the same page. We're all going by the same standard. That's what gives us credibility. Okay. So one of the things that your FTA membership will uh, buy you is access to an FTA certification. We'll get you a decal to put on your window. We'll get you information to put at your front desk. We can say, yes, I'm an FTA certified center. I follow these rules. That way, also, it gives your clientele a place to go if they have a complaint about how your float center is being operated, if they're having a problem with your customer service or with the way that you're running your equipment or the condition of your solution. Instead of going out and expressing that on social media, where it affects everybody and draws attention from these other regulating agencies, that that's what they're going to point to and say, no, you can't self-regulate. Look, we're finding complaints about you everywhere. Right, so we're trying to be a central resource, a place where everybody, manufacturers, flow centers, and the public all have a place. We can all come together and we can get these problems resolved. It's going to take money. There's a really good possibility that we're going to end up in a legal battle with the CMAC. That's being discussed with, amongst the FTA right now. There's uh, a lot of um, different of opinion about whether we need to go that way, but it is one possibility. It's a very expensive possibility. We've talked about the strategy of hiring lobbyists to try to have some influence on the individual board members of the CMAC. That's going to cost some money. It's going to cost money to do these certification programs. It's going to cost money to compile data. This, we have to be able to present real scientific data for people. When they have a question, we need to whip out the book 
And everybody needs to bring the same information to the table. So what I'm trying to encourage you all to do is to sign up, get your memberships, go, go on the website. There's uh, different levels of memberships that you can have. There's individual memberships. There's uh, float center memberships that are based on how many float tanks you're operating. There's manufacturers memberships. Uh, we're in the process right now of rebuilding the, um, the FTA's website, bring it a, a more up to date, uh, easier to navigate, easier to get information. Places where we'll provide you with more resources that'll, that you'll find useful. Places where you guys can all weigh in on things and, and, and help stock the website with more information as well. But what we really need is your support. We need membership numbers. We need membership dollars. Because that's how we're going to address the challenges that, we, that we're all facing as an industry right now. And then I think we're going to open it up to you guys right now so that we can get your feedback about ways that we can be in service to you guys as a community, things that you need from us, ideas that you might have that maybe we haven't considered because we've been too busy with all this stuff going on. Yeah, I was wondering if you could address the fee structure a little bit and why uh, you've chosen per tank. There's a difference in membership fee, and I don't know if that might be a deterrent. Some people with larger tank operations that maybe they didn't Actually, have. I mean, I think the fees are really low I, I, for what I, we need to do. I was just wondering why it's not one standard, why it differs so the number of tanks that you have versus if you, regardless of what you feel the value of it is, if it would be equal across the board, it, that might encourage more people to be part of the association rather than letting something be a deterrent. Like Do you have an idea what, what that would be? I, I, I don't. Just, so just the main talk. reason the fee structure was built like that was just to, um, to make it more affordable for smaller centers that don't have the same amount of revenue coming in. So if you're only operating one or two tanks, then it's, it's just a, a You're talking a about someone who's up and running for five years and, and you know, making lots of money at that point, not, not, you know, Well, like, theoretically, you address if you have individual four tanks, you're making some of money. these issues that are just, start, that's just starting out with four tank, just put $250,000 into investing something, and it's very choosy about how they spend their money. Yeah. And so, totally. Uh, it's, Totally legitimate, right? So, like, the, the first thing to know is, like, if if you have that particular issue, like, call us and let's talk it out. Like, we we, we want to encourage membership. So, if, if if the fee structure is a barrier to membership for you, and let's let's do what we have to do to to work through that. If if you can, if you're a bigger center, if you have more revenue streams, we could appreciate the extra support if you can give it to us. We're certainly not going to turn you away. Right. How many, how many employees are there, or are there no employees of the FTA? How, Such how, a great question. Yeah, there are no employees of the FTA. Nobody in the FTA is getting paid. So how does anything get done? Because you all have other jobs. Right. Cash. We work really You know, this group uh, meets by telephone once a week, and those conversations are never less than two hours long. In fact, some of them go 
way into the night, right? right. One of the things that we'd really love to do, if we, get, if we can get the support of our community, we'd love to hire somebody and make it their full-time job, where every day they get up thinking about the FTA. What do we need to get done? How can we move it forward? What research needs to be done? Is that an adopted strategy to do that? Yeah, that's something we talk about a lot. Like there needs to be at least one or two people and then as the industry grows, as the association grows, then we can hire more people, break up the work, and, and make things more effective. Are, are there any published accounts for the members of the FTA for how much money is in the kitty and where, what is being spent on? Um, we haven't published them on the website. Or so anywhere? No. Okay. Is there any plan to publish accounts? Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, I'd just like to mention that I mean, I'm a great fan of the FTA. We joined, never got a receipt, never got anything except a, a, an email message. So we don't know what happened to our money. Yeah, so we have, um, we have a bit of money in the bank, that, um, precious little that we're, <laughs> we're guarding right now, right? To, um, because with that limited amount of money, we need to get a lot done. And, and right now, the truth is that it doesn't amount to enough to really accomplish, even really get us started with with all the things that we need to do. And so we've just held it in a bank account, protecting it until we can get enough that we can actually put it to work for us. So I arrived at this conference kind of annoyed with the FTA because no one is talking to me. And then I learned that this CMAC thing is going on and there's a what you call a possibly existential threat to the industry that no one has told me about as a member of the FTA, which I think I'm really angry about that. Uh, I think the FTA needs to get serious. Like, if we're going to be a real industry, we need a real goddamn industry association. Right. And there were like three newsletters last year, none of which were more than a page. The website hasn't been updated since last September. There's no published accounts. There was some kind of half-assed election for board members in April that was just sort of tagged on to a newsletter that wasn't mentioned in the subject line. Um, I have no idea what the results of that election were because until you people showed up today, no one had printed, updated the website to say what the results of the membership election was. If I may, right there, those are all legitimate. We appreciate that. Every one of those yeah. people out there are volunteering yeah. their time. I, so, so, no, so, so, so when you're ready, let me, you can do I, that. I would like I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I would like to say, it sounds like everyone has been doing a ton of work up there, and I'm very grateful for that. But if we're going to be a real industry, yeah. that's not enough. You, your your points you are absolutely correct. correct. Totally correct. And if I we may, agree with yeah. you. And if and I, I, if I, may like, I would, I would volunteer for something if right. you wanted. Right on. <laughs> so, so you know, your point is very well taken, really. And 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 I, I'm new to this, and I don't own a center, or I don't own a, I'm not a manufacturer. Uh, I come from a different standpoint. But nonetheless, you're right in that this, with all of this stuff that's happening now, we understand that we need to rise along with all of you rising with us. We will become better so that everybody can come together. And you're right, we need to do that. And that's what we're in the process of doing now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, totally legit. And, and, and we're, we're very aware of that. You're not we're the first person that's- We're angry as you are. 
Well, you're not the first person to <laughs> express that frustration for us, but you know, we're, we're running, trying to run businesses and, and, and take care of that too. So um, the, the, web, the new website is currently under development. I'm personally doing that, so I can tell you that it's, it's uh, uh, almost finished. My, it's my not home. currently under development. <laughs> 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 it's contemporary development of the, of the website, and, and uh, it's, it's going to be a lot more user-friendly for all of you guys. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on it. And how I, many I, members I are there at the Today, do we know how many members? Not enough. Do we know what that number is? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't remember. I mean, a couple of years ago, there was there was a small amount, and now there's less. Like 20, 200, 1,000? I don't know. More like 200. 200. Yeah, I thought the last time I looked at it, we had just crossed 200, like 230 or something. I remember years ago. She's dying to ask question. So your guys' knowledge base for creating an association is limited. money to do it and right now we're just really being protective of the money that we have there's so many challenges that are that are coming at us so quickly that it's uh, it's kind of bewildering sometimes like where to put our our time and our energy and and the precious money. Of the, of the attendance this weekend how many of those people are going to be association members? I hope everyone I'd like a lot of them to be. So what are we doing about that? Uh, this workshop is, is the main thing we Yeah, we have a booth this weekend where people can get information. The, the organizers of the conference have elected to not give us time, you know, on the main stage to, um, to give our pitch. There's, they have, they have reasons for that. Yeah, and they, they have good reasons for it, and we, we chose to respect their, their wishes, it's their conference, so uh, that, that's the importance of this meeting is to get some, get the dialogue started, get you guys to all talk to people at the conference this weekend, send them over to the, the FTA booth so we can give them the rundown, let them know what we're up against, and try to encourage them to get some membership. She's been dying to ask a question. I got a question. It's not really a question, it's more a suggestion. My background before this is healthcare billing. Um, I was a union member. I know union is a very scary word, having Canada. Um, I became a union member because my employment was not working for me. I didn't have somewhere um, like an HR or something that was guiding us properly. So through becoming a union member, we had annual conferences, and I was part of the public service offices, their public service. So every year when we got together at a conference like this, we said, here are the things that are important to us. As a collective, we voted. And it was an incredibly strong way to get um, all those nitty-gritty things that you want done and pass regulations, but you have to do it as a group. So I understand people are frustrated because you're not hearing a lot, but as volunteers and not paid positions, 
being able to get paid positions in place and then having people dedicated to that, you can then create not just the association base, but you create, say, a union rule book, not union, but you know what I mean. You have your, your guidelines that you can follow so that if I decide to put my money into membership, which I am a member, but I want to know where it's going, your financials, who's doing what, and are you making a decision on my behalf that I have not agreed with or I don't want that correction to happen? So I think for a way to kind of come together in the collective, they also have to understand that you have to get involved. You have to educate yourself. You have to be willing to come to a conference and vote and say, this is where I want my future, my industry to go. Because it can be a I mean, you have to, as a group, we're so much stronger, we can put those guidelines in place and, and vote together collectively instead of just saying, I have a two-center place. That doesn't apply to me. You have five. We make more money. At the end of the day, it's not just making money. It's we got to protect ourselves. Yeah. Oh, what we're doing. Yeah, one, we're uh, part of the new website design is is um, there's a forum on there that gives you guys an opportunity to constantly be giving us feedback and information that that, that will be useful, and we're we're taking good cues from the <coughs> collective about how to get information out there, how to kind of rally the troops. So yeah, good, good thoughts. Oh, the FDA too. Yeah. yeah. 501C3? Okay. It's not a C3, right? Right. C6, I think. Okay. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, just that, that, you know, we drew the guys of that. They have guidelines, bylaws, requirements, uh, the meetings of the directorship, how the directorship is elected, things like that. Yeah, I know it's more government stuff, but that would be more lizzy. Uh, when it does come down and come to the last year, there's a secret that's been offered. When y'all do meet with Bawa or not Bawa? Yes. We have, we have notes and, and audio of every meeting, so if anybody's okay. interested. Okay. I, I was not aware. Yes. Yeah, we're, getting, we're trying to create a system that we can get information out to you guys better. It's, okay. it's a challenge, so that's uh, part of where the Float Collective has agreed to really step in and help us to show us how to effectively communicate with you guys and get information out and information back. And we have bylaws. This actually touches directly on that stuff because I'm hearing everybody and stuff on you know, what they're, they're saying and they're asking questions about like how many members and this and that. And also, I have all four teenagers and I've been volunteering and stuff for many years, so I understand and stuff, you know, where you guys are, you know, you have your own jobs and this is all, you know, non-paid and stuff, it's probably like a full-time job itself. So, what do you guys need from us? Like, if, do you need just someone and stuff to, like, to start helping more volunteers? Um, you know, what, how can we help and stuff to get this going? So, thanks. Um, quickly, I'll point out that more than half of the current Board of Directors are new. They're new to the board. We, we all saw uh, a vacancy in our industry, and we stepped up to serve. And so for a lot of us, um, we, we're, we're just now going through the process of identifying the need, like how can we help, how can we serve? And so it's really important that, that all of you guys get involved as well. And, and um, if you have particular skill sets, that you think are valuable to us? I mean, certainly, let's let's bring that stuff out so that we can take advantage of it. It's going to it's going to take all of us. Like we we are looking at a whole different industry 
what it is today compared to what it was last year. It's completely different. So, so I, I realize it seems like we've been you know, really terrible about communication, but we did spend two and a half years fighting NSF. Okay? Yeah, that was we a did weekly that for you guys, not for us. Yeah. Okay? And now we're spending a ton of time dealing with CDC and evaluating it. So yes, we lack at having the energy and the time to make that, that all the, to put all those pieces into place and we're, we're going to do it, we're doing it, okay? And I feel bad that, I mean, I got, it took me three years to get the okay to get a new board, okay? So it's like, I, it takes, it takes a lot of time with, with the groups that have been around, you know? I mean, it's, I've been fighting for you guys. Thank you. What, what, yes. what? Yeah. what does that mean it took three years yeah. to get the okay to have a new board? Well, we had an existing board before this. No, no provision for elections? Yeah, that's. Do we have a provision for elections there's, now? There's, there are bylaws for, okay. for the agency. Yeah, but will they be published on the website? They are on the website. And, and would it be of interest to publish the list of members on the website? Just yeah, we can uh, well, absolutely do that. I mean, look, the, the more, the more transparency that we can have, the, the better off we all are. This is why we're here. We want to know what, what information you guys want. Right. All, right? The, okay. all, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Collective is the, the obvious answer to me. Put all of the updates constantly on the Flow Collective so that people can yeah. tune in when they have time. Yeah. and. Yeah, they, they've just given us that. Well, the, the flow collective is a very mixed resource, in my observation. You know, some of it's very good, and some of it you think, wow, what are these people doing? What do they think? Some of the questions are quite simple because the people who are just wow. starting. It's in the not industry. so much the simple questions as some of the opinions and the answers. Yeah, but I think it's good. It's good education for all of us to see to see the range. You know, that's the thing. Like our our opinion, our opinions exist on a spectrum. Right, right, right. And so that's and that's that's what we're trying to narrow down. We're trying to get all of us on the same page. All of us using the same language, referring to the same standard. Right, and that's the evidence base. So one of one of the things, one of the ways I think FTA and one of the ways I think everyone can help is for FDA to concentrate on developing a strategic plan and getting input from people who are members or people who join at this meeting and maybe focus for the next three months on developing that strategic plan to become the organization you're talking about. Because right. the feedback is we're not that organization. Right. Right. And we're, we're not saying we want to be that right. organization. Right. Yeah, and we're good. saying we want to we be to develop. for manufacturers, for center owners and for floaters. Right. So we're taking on a role where we have to get input and buy-in from all three groups and even maybe everybody has to look at the standards we have and give us their comments on the standards. Absolutely. Any suggestions they have about the standards and we have to almost go through the CMAC process and set ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and everybody votes on the standards and agrees. So I, it's safe what to I'm say hearing it. is that we have a job as, board, as the board yeah. to develop a strategic we, plan we, we for doing this. We, we revised the standards uh, recently, 2017, and we had a committee, like 15 people. We asked who wanted to be in, on the committee. 
So, I mean, we yeah, but we we've never put those standards out to the industry. We never put them out to all the we manufacturers. We put them out to a group that wanted to be was involved with NSF, CDC, a committee that's been coherently working on. Did we vote, Shoshana? Yeah. I, I hate yes. to agree with it. Did we, as a board, vote on these? Yes. When? Some, I know we voted. Yeah, they, we voted on them before we published them on the website last year. You involved in it? You weren't. You weren't on the board. Then. What? But I was involved in the group that was. Uh, yeah, but put the board together. never yeah. voted on them. Yeah. And we never. Well, yeah. so anyway, what I'm suggesting is that we really reach out to the membership in a way that all yeah. the members would read the standards ahead of time. Right. All the members right. would. It, Give us comments back, and all the members would vote on those standards. It's a living That's document. Do you realize that? I understand. Standards that. they constantly become. Yeah, we. I, I just think we need to be more inclusive of our yeah, membership. Yeah, I, I have no problem. That, that's definitely one of our goals, right? I mean, we see the standard as a fluid document. It should constantly be being changed based on as the industry's growing and learning about best practices, as new technology comes in and starts to. You know, influence what we do. We're, that that document needs to be, you know, looked at and addressed on a very regular basis, and and we certainly want to open it up to to all of you guys. I, I want to do Jeremy and then Mark because they've been waiting really patiently. Um, hopefully, we can change the tone a little bit, and I'd like to say thank you for everybody that's volunteered to be on the board because when I saw the list of who was involved, and I know Kevin personally, but. I, I, I was pretty blown away by some of the people that we've got uh, involved, so I thought that was really great. And I think we need to... Um, I think we need to change our perspective. Instead of focusing on what the FDA hasn't done in the past, focus on the opportunity that we have right now with really important stuff happening and say, this is our organization, and it's, they're only going to be able to do something when the entire community gets behind them. And that hasn't happened, and that's the reason that they haven't been able to be productive. Right. You know, if you, I, I know Kevin, Kevin runs a float center and a float tank manufacturing company. He's building the damn website. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't do any more for the float industry than that. And so until every single float center in the country or the world is a member and they're giving them money so that they can have a staff and they can hire attorneys or whoever else they need to, you're putting the cart before the horse. You're asking them to give you this information and these results before we've, put, we've gotten behind them and said, here, whether or not I'm strapped for cash, this is the most important thing happening in our industry. And if these things, this, this existential crisis happens and we're not uh, a unified body, then your float center is going to go under and you were worried about a website. Yeah. Th thanks for saying that. Because we, we, uh, we really have been caught in the catch-22. We'd like to be able to do more. We'd like to be able to work harder. But we've got to have the support and the resources right. to do it. Mark? Yeah. So I guess a couple of things. We've got to leave on the three of us. We have a meeting yeah. with Justin. Very sorry. <laughs> we appreciate you being thank here. You for, thank you for coming. But yeah, it's great work. So there's a vote going on in October. Oh. Colin. Oh, yeah, I see. Okay, So there's a vote going on in October about these codes. 
that's essentially two months away. Right. I think most of the people in this room, I can't imagine anyone to run into that runs a float center at this conference, all X hundred people, I don't think any of them are going to say, I don't want to help. That's really not in my best interest. So that we, we want to help, right? What's the plan, though? Because we kind of had this talk last year. Right. Obviously, much smaller, much more focused. We were talking about testing. And, and the NSF get, was at the center of it at that point. We, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was right. the guy was in the conversation, right? So one of the things we talked about last year was we need involvement from centers. We need testing protocols. We need data sent back, et cetera. I don't really feel like anything happened from that. We're saying the same thing now, except on a bigger scale, right? Right. We need you to review standards, comment. We need you to subscribe to testing protocols, send data in, et cetera. So first, are we too late to affect the October thing with that? And secondly, if everything goes great, all 600, 700 people, whoever, how many are here, are going to go by your desk and sign up for FTA. That's best case scenario. What's the plan to handle all that feedback? Well, well, I mean, so you get 500 emails next week or next month saying, what can I do? I'm going to call you and ask for help, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> well, so so the, the issue with, uh, I've collected a lot of lab tests from people who volunteered to send them to me. But it's taken this long to get NSF and CDC and health departments to actually point towards FTA to acknowledge that maybe they'll take a look at that because they're not really set up to look at lab tests. They're, they're, they just want to know there's a residual. So, okay? so changing that educational process has taken this amount of time. Right. And, well, so, and, and totally appreciate that. I, I, I agree with Jeremy. Let's focus on where we go from here, not what happened. What I'm wondering is what's going to be different. How do okay. we shorten that time scale to be by the end of the year, we have really a lot, a lot to scientific do. data. So we asked there, a lot of questions last year and tried to get involved, and we kept getting hit with silence. Where do we send our, our samples? Are we taking yeah. water samples? What do we do? Well, we, we want everyone to go through um, recommended labs that are certified, and we want to set that up. Well, that's why like so, last year when everybody was asking for water samples, we were on board wanting to help and so, do it. Yes, but where we are now and so the last different layers, we have to do everything at the same time. Sure. Right now, until October. I mean, we may have to go the legal route. We're going to take a look at, at doing a, a, a stay. Uh, what, what, an injunction. An injunction and, and be possibly prepared for what that means. But that means raising a lot of money. At the, simultaneously, we want to use a national lab that, that creates uh, one protocol that everybody does the same thing. We know what we're testing for. Each person knows where to send it, et cetera. Okay? So we're just laying the groundwork for that. Uh, I, last week, I, I spoke to a national lab that takes care of government uh, potable water. And they said, you know what? You're going to waste your money. Because if you're testing for pseudomonas or heterotopic plate count or to total coliform and you use UV and you have Epsom salt and hydrogen peroxide, it's not going you know, to show anything. Are you sure you want to waste your money? 
And I'm like, listen, can, can I have that on government letterhead? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Jennifer, last, last year, um, we did raise some funds, and basically, uh, we spent that money with the NSF. We did a, a series of lab, lab tests with the NSF. I'm not that they where the money goes, so I'm just asking how we can help them with giving the feedback to be able to do that. Right, so. Mark and I spoke out numerous times. You need to call me. So what we, uh, what we discovered. We the desk last year. We kept trying to sign up, and then there was always something going on at the desk, and we couldn't ever get signed up. Right now, all you have to do is go to the website, and there's a form. Right, and so, I, signed up, I signed up three years ago. But before we were even fill out the form and with your email online just, that you want to. I didn't even realize it was a continual every year thing, so it was three or four years ago I, I did it. Right. And then when we got close to opening our doors, I went to go try to update my information. And trying to find out I wasn't even a member because there's just no information. And I'm not, I'm not trying to complain and point that things are changing. I'm just, yeah, asking right. again, same thing. Reach out. I mean, is there any kind of any portion of, of the board or anybody else that's going to reach out and actually be asking for for help so we can be involved, so we can help guide the guide the association? I mean, how long do you know what it costs anymore to be? Just go over the boots and we'll figure it out. Done. So, um, yeah, start by signing up again this year. Um, look for the new website to come out in the next couple of weeks. It's just about done. The only reason that we didn't launch the website before this conference is so that we could have this meeting. I want to make sure that what you guys need gets included on there. And I, and I think the, the forum page where you guys can give us feedback, it's gonna be uh, really critical to that. I wanna answer one thing that Mark asked about, is it too late for the October vote? That is a big issue with us right now. We're trying to figure out, um, there's some differences of opinion, like the more people we talk to about this, the, the um, it's a little bit like too much information and too many opinions coming in about it. There, there's, there's a way for us to, um, I've spent a good deal of time recently with a couple of different attorneys to get advice about this. There's a way for us to file an injunction so we can uh, basically get the process stopped until we can get due process and a lot more information, a lot more feedback from the industry and from some health regulators like Jason. Uh, people with some knowledge could actually weigh in on the thing before it gets done. They, they, they're, they're pushing really hard. It's not, uh, it's not gonna be an easy fight to win. Um, the estimates that I'm getting right now is we're looking at about a $100,000 legal fee. For even, even just, not even close, not even close. But, but here's the thing, it can become very expensive for all of us, right? I mean, Cecil, <laughs> A couple of years ago, you know, he, he went through this with his local municipality. It cost him almost $100,000 to get his store back open, right? My, my question is more like going, like it's already been asked, like how much money does the FDA have? As Under 10000 Okay. Right? Not so much with the particular uh, agency that we're talking about. The, the CMAC only has a, you know, there's only 2% of what's been sent down their pipe has actually like 
not ended up on the on their uh, document. So the, the the odds are stacked against us. But there, but I uncovered a lot of legal precedent. There's there's um, constitutional rights afforded to us in the Fourteenth Amendment. There's a Due Processes Act that was put out in 1946 that um, that, that does give us some some precedent about you can't just arbitrarily execute a set of regulations on an industry. But, but we have to get the right attorney to argue that in the right um, uh, venue and, and try to get it stopped. The best that we can hope for right now, we get it stopped so it doesn't appear in the next edition of the code that will be put out in the spring, getting ready for the uh, 2018 swimming season. So that's like our immediate goal is to just not be put in that document right now until we can get yeah. some time. Yeah. Um, let me do. Well, I just, I'm going to do you next, Jason. Sure. I'm still just kind of confused on what's happening in October. Like, who's, is a, like a representative from every state's health department voting? Or no, let, let Jason voting? explain that. He really knows a lot about this. Oh, okay. Um, the the Mom Aquatic Health Code is this, like, code of rules for swimming pools that is there if you need it, if you're in a state or county or province. If you don't have swimming pool legislation and you're renewing your legislation, you might want to look to the code to see what's new and what's safest. Right. Um, and these changes, this time they want to put flotation in with the code. So that's, that's the issue. Um, we fought valiantly to say don't do that, this is why, here's what evidence says, this is why it's bad policy. We fought together on that and to no avail yet. Um, I think for the October, what happens now is that this technical review committee is putting that forward to the, the members of the non-aquatic health club. That's a membership of, I think, about 2,000 people in North America, roughly. And they get to vote on it now. They get to vote and say, we like these changes or we don't. And there's 200 changes, one of which is this quotation one. So we don't really know what that vote process looks like. Um, there's this initiative to do maybe an injunction to sort of stop that process from happening, but it's not too late for you to become a member of the Mod Aquatic Health Association. It's about $40 American to join. Of what association? The Model Aquatic Health Code, the committee for the Model Aquatic Health Code. You can become a member of that, and I think this is sort of what, maybe what you're getting at is what can we do right now to stop that. You can still have a vote, it's kind of, you can still, you can still, you can pay 40 bucks, you can have a vote. Um, you can even submit comments still that this is wrong and this is why it's wrong. You can't change it yet right at this point, but you can try to influence the rest of the voters outside of the industry even, saying like, don't do this because, and we were, we were talking in the previous meeting about what are the key messages you can really help get out. Like key messages like these aren't rooted in science, these have huge impact on the business that haven't been discussed and thought about yet. Um, and you can just provide that comment. And so you provide the comments before October vote, and then you get to vote in October. So the voters will see your comments. Yeah. And you can be a voter. Yes, their site, you maybe. Can, yeah, they do. Could be, like, look up the website right now, but all of us can maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I talk tomorrow from 11 to 11.30, and I'm going to kind of briefly touch on this too. Say, everybody go here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so there's the, what the FDA is focusing on in terms of like behind the scenes, what can yeah. we do, but I think you can still get involved in that process and lend your voice there, and it's going to cost you 40 bucks.
So why isn't someone on the big stage saying that? Like, look, we're in a risky situation. We need everybody here to go do that. That's a good question. I, I mean, let's ask Yeah, they, well, Otacon, uh they have a, a, a kind of a policy, uh, and it was done kind of in a blanket way, that they don't want uh, anybody to come up to try to sell anything or to, you know, or kind of do anything marketing-wise, advertising-wise like that on the stage. Except now, if you're a sponsor. Right. Except, for, yeah, unless you're a sponsor. So they were, and I think we, we t and Oshkana and Graham are part, of the, are part of the board as well, and I think when we talked about it, it was also kind of pretty late in the game for them to make that determination, and they wanted to kind of back off from that, and I can under, I mean, that's very understandable. You don't want everybody getting up and selling their wares. Now, obviously, FTA is something a little bit different than that, but given the time uh, that it came up and everything else, that's kind of, that's their policy. Now, my thought is that, that later on or further down the road, we will be able to incorporate it in as long as we incorporate it in a certain way not to go against their policy, because the policy is a good one. So since this is um, coming up in October and stuff, and you know, it's kind of either like, we, we try and fight this now and stuff, or raise thousands of dollars and stuff for a lawyer, just to get an injunction, and then however much more it's going to be. So on the website, couldn't that be something that you put right there, big and bold, and stuff, like, this is what's going on. It was in October, it's been 40 bucks. This is what we need to vote for and stuff. And so that way, like right now, we're spending 40 bucks, and we might be able to stop it and stuff versus, you know, a couple months from now and stuff, everybody having to, you know, throw in hundreds of dollars for the same cause and stuff, where, you know, if we spend $40 now and, and vote. And it's just, I mean, educating people and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. you're asking what needs to go on this website. We're, that's what we're saying. That would be like, here. We're like gonna, up front first. We're gonna we're gonna give you guys some information about like some specific points that we want everybody to be focused on, so that we're all speaking with a unified voice. We're all saying the same thing. We feel like that's the best way to to push the message. <coughs> but we also want you to be realistic about the way that this organization is set up. So all all of the voters, all of you guys, right? Let's let's say there's you know five thousand people. That, are, that have a $40 membership. The, all of the votes from those 5,000 people, those make up 50% of the weight of the final vote. The committee has the other 50%. 100%. Right? So it, it's not a situation where we can just all rally and all 700 people that are here at the conference can spend $40 and we can go in there and just blow the thing out. Because if we could do that. Signing completely. Yeah. This is you know, the stand that we have right now and stuff. I mean, I think that that's the only way to really make our voice heard and to let them know that, you know, this is, yeah. this is something yes. that you know, I, we're passionate about. We're not listening to the voice. I totally agree. Right? It, it, it has been hard to, to get our voice through. But what, and and I'm, I'm not trying to discourage anybody from doing what you're saying. I think if you can do it, if you can put up the 40 bucks and you can go in there and, and, and register a vote and make your voice heard, I think it's great. But I think we have to uh, have proper expectations about what that result will be. We, there, there is, they've set it up in a way that we can't just gang up and take over the vote. So as long as, long as um, our expectations are... Don't be mad, I mean, it's, it's one of those yeah. things, I mean, to me, it's, it, 
like, it can't hurt. Just, you know, There's a really good chance that you can influence the, the board that's going to be on the other the other 50% of that vote. Theoretically, they will hear us. They will hear our concerns. They'll say a lot of people are freaking out about this. Maybe I need to rethink my vote. I, I thought that maybe we can mobilize, like do a grassroots thing, that everyone, if we got all the phone numbers of people who were on the, on the, um, the technical committee, and we just bombarded, you know, each person bombarded. We came up with like 10 things that we agreed that were the things to communicate the point. So nobody was like saying anything weird. We called, we emailed them like nonstop. Basically, you know, grassroots. I think we can and should do that. So just, we're not against that. Go ahead, Dan. We'll give you that. There's, an, there's an intractable reality that is causing frustration for you guys. Frustration for everyone here. It's the same intractable reality that the float collective board faces, which is a brain trust, a group of volunteers cannot get done the things you want to get done, that we want you to get done. You cannot achieve these goals as volunteers. How many float centers would it take paying $100 a week, $100 a month, to pay someone $30,000 a year to be a full time employee? It's exactly what we're looking for. I would say it's on you guys to define that first and say, look, here's the goal. The goal is to have a full-time employee. It's going to cost $30,000. We need this X number of float centers paying this amount every month to reach that goal. You will see you are doing so much work behind the scenes. I, I happen to know how much work you're doing behind the scenes. I think a lot of other people don't know how much work is done behind the scenes. But it's not a lot. It's not. It's a lot, but it's not the amount that is needed, or you have the capacity for to move these things forward. There has to be a full-time employee. Mm -hmm. yeah. Moving these things forward. Yeah, we need a, we need a director of operations. We need a, we need a serious intellect in that position and somebody who has a lot of experience. And then we have to pay that person. That's a sixty thousand dollar a year job right there. And someone who can do. Yeah. Right. right. Who can actually get the things. Done. You guys have all the wisdom and the strategic direction that, that you need. You have the brain trust, you have the wisdom, the experience. You need the, the doer, like the person that can channel all this stuff. And, and, and so, Excellent. I would offer that it's on you to define that for us and say, okay, yeah. hey, we're going to do this. We're going to hire a person. Here's what we need from the community to make that happen. And just be really, really clear about it. Okay. That doesn't yeah. subsist at all. And Dan, thank you. Kevin? Let's go. So this sounds, sounds really important, really urgent, and really critical, and, and we're all here because we care, right? And that's why it's important to us. What's the general consensus among the board members why um, the rest of the people at the conference aren't here and, and don't, maybe not that they don't care, but what's the general idea, the general problem that needs to be solved in order to make this room you know, fill Division. So Every, there's too many divi divisions going on so in the group. Let me, let me be really honest about something, okay? We haven't been very organized in the past. There's a lot of years that went by where the FTA wasn't sure what our role was going to be as this industry was exploding. Because in the past, all we've been is a knowledge base. 
We create some standards, we collect studies. You know, it was just, it was just a place for people to go just to get information. And it allowed the uh, FTA to be fairly passive. Yes. Now that role is completely changing. We're getting thrown into the fire. We're scrambling right now, right? And, and this is part of the reason that, that uh, Graham and Ashcon didn't give us the platform that we asked for this year was because in the past we've been ineffective and they didn't want to put the, the name of the conference behind us if we step up there and make a bunch of promises and then we fall flat on our ass again like we have in years past. Right? We're all prepared to admit that that's happened. But part of the energy of this new board of directors is the realization that we can't let that happen. Right? That, that is not going to work for our industry as a whole. And so that's the energy that we're trying to bring to, to it this time is like, let's actually create some solutions. Let's actually get something done. Let's actually be an organization that you guys can have faith in, that I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you my hard-earned money. Like we know, there's not, nobody's getting rich running a float center. Manufacturers do not make a lot of money. Like I know people think that we do, but we don't. So we, we recognize that it's a challenge for you guys to put up money, especially if there's no history of us making effective use of that money. So all we're asking for you this year is to kind of take a leap of faith with us. Yes, we acknowledge it is a time for action. Like we're, we're being held at gunpoint right now and, and we recognize that concern and all, and all we can do right now is just to give you our word that we are working our asses off all the time on this and we'll continue to do so and, and we'll use your help. Can I get this guy? He's been resistant for a long time. I've got uh, one quick question and a couple comments and suggestions. Um, for starters, do we know how many float tank centers are operating in the world right now? Is there any type of rough estimate of how many? We don't know. I think there are about 500 float centers. Okay. Um, I think there's a million people float well, that's regularly. Not, I think that we're missing an opportunity here. Um, oh, yeah. You know, looking at um, your payment schedule. Um, I would love to be a membership, but I really, you know, that trust and investment in money, I want to see where that money goes and how it's spent to know that, you know, it's effective in its means because there's so many causes out there, it's hard to decide who gets my time and energy and money and my passion. Um, floating is very passionate for me personally. Um, if the single membership was lower, like a $10 month, um, membership, there's a number of clubs and organizations that operate on a $10 a uh, year uh, membership, and it's, it doesn't cost you guys anything to send me emails. Right. I don't have any physical correspondence and mail because that's just a waste of time and money. But you have an abundance of floaters around the world that are excited and passionate about this new technology and opportunity <coughs> and exploration. Um, that's a wide, untapped resource. And I think the, the biggest thing I see, the frustration, is that we're not using those resources. We have people that are willing to give their time and energy and money to you folks for common good to, to rally around this cause and improve our situation and do everything we possibly can to you know, support you, to support the industry as a whole. I just see that it's kind of a lost opportunity right now, um, particularly with the payment schedule. Maybe, potentially, instead of focusing on how many tanks you are, just a center and maybe lower it a little bit to just really drive home. Like, we're not trying. We're just trying to get everyone together on the same page and really encourage membership so you can you know, drive up the resources so you can 
get together all together? I just did the math on that, and it is sixty thousand dollars if everyone, if all five hundred uh, centers pay ten bucks a month. Yeah. So yeah. to be to be fair, I spend more than ten bucks on lunch. Yeah. I'll just say right right here. I, I run a float center, and I think this industry critically needs an industry organization that has the resources to do something. And if there are 29 other float centers willing to give $100 a month, I am too. And we can get an administrative assistant who can actually put out some communication and let people know what's going on. Yeah, I don't want to get to the point where it's costing anybody $100 a month. I would, I would rather see more people participating and, and having to pay less money to get the, I think, the job. I mean, I, I'm totally, like, on the, the $10 a month individual membership, I think that's great, too. But we've just been talking about how there needs to be some way to bootstrap this thing. The chicken yeah. and egg situation. I mean, it's a lot easier to find 30 people than it is to find 600. Right. I mean, this board has a lot of faith in you guys, right? We, we know that if we ask you for your help, that you'll give us the help. If we ask you for your expertise, you'll share your expertise with us. So you just have to decide whether you have faith enough in us to help us get it done. Because that's, that's what we re need right now. I want to go right there. Well, I just, to, just to echo that point, I think these issues are extremely serious. And who knows how many other issues that we haven't even uncovered, and how many other additional resources we need. And they're very specific resources, like legal resources, people that know how to operate in that, in that arena. That's not volunteer help. So I, I think we should be thinking bigger. I mean, if you have 500 centers and you had a $500 annual fee, that's a quarter of a million dollar budget per year that you could throw at these, these issues. And I think we should be thinking in a larger scale like that. I agree with that. Uh, let's see, I want to, I'm going right back there. She's going to be a little bit. Hi. Um, so right now, because we've been talking a lot about the big picture, so right now, at this moment, what would you say are the top three things that you need from us as a community in terms of action? So nitty gritty, little things, someone to do this, someone to do this, someone to do that, just to get things rolling so we build more trust in the community so that we are starting to be a part of it in real life, like, you know, moment to moment? I, I mean, we'd probably get different answers if we asked. Join. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. yeah. Join is number one. <laughs> Membership, right? Like, strength in numbers is, is probably the most important thing that we need right now, because we can turn that into money and resources and help. It takes real management work yeah. to yeah. 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 a yeah. job yeah. that people can just do. Yeah. And yeah, it's a chicken and egg problem. Yeah, I'm not doing a very good job of answering your question. But, um, I, but, but, what, but we do need people like you that are willing to volunteer time and energy and expertise. So maybe if you could stop by the booth and talk to one of us over the weekend and we could learn a little bit more about what skills you can bring to the table. Basically, the question that I ask is the skills that I have. Wait, say that again? 
Basically, the question that I asked is the skill set that I have. Okay. Um, um, how many minutes would it take somebody who would be to go out and button on the website for joining to put in a $10 photograph? How long would it take? Take half an hour. Five minutes. It's okay. very simple. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> Help people sign so, up. Let's do it. So I, I, I don't know. She, I want to. I want to go back because I can feel your frustration, <laughs> the, the the lack of, of answers there. So um, we're, we're looking for organizational help, for legal help, for fundraising help, membership drives. Can you say that a little slow, please? Organizational. Uh huh. Legal. Legal. Fundraising. Membership and fundraising. Yeah. Those are the things that I feel like would would give the association some fuel to move forward. Are these people able to sit in on or be with the calls that you have each week? Yes. So they can be a part of Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah sure. absolutely. Okay. So what about nonprofits? <clears throat> yeah, nonprofits. Yeah, if anybody has experience with like developing nonprofits, that's, that, that, that is obviously a great one to have. Um, I, I just, I'm going to get you next, but I want to, she's had her head up for a long time. It, it, it very easily could affect you in Canada if one of the municipalities decides to adopt those Here, regulations. Well, so David was integral for me. I have a ways to tanks, but there's really no regulations when I started in Ontario. I'm calling under BC, which are incredibly strict guidelines. I went to other centers around me in Toronto, Kitchener, Waterloo, and said, what are you guys calling under? Half of them don't have to use Romine because they produced a document that showed, you know, 20 years ago, here's this paper to say they don't need to use it. Yet I'm having my health department saying, well, we're going to follow BC instead of Alberta because we don't know what to do, so we're going to enforce this. And like, it, it doesn't seem mm -hmm. regulated. If I didn't so, have David to help guide me and other boat owners, so ideally, the way that we envision it is that you know we have resources on the board, we have resources in our membership, and so what the hope is is that we can connect you with the person who can be most helpful to you, right? So if like we look at your situation and we're like, hey, this is a job for David, then we can connect you and David, right? If somebody's having a problem with you know equipment. Then, then we can look through all of the manufacturers and, and get you connected with the person that manufactured your equipment or somebody else who has a lot of experience with solution care. Right? So hopefully we can become a clearinghouse for that kind of stuff, to actually connect you with the person that will be we most useful globally, though, to you. Just like the American oh, absolutely globally. Yeah, there's no reason not to. Yeah, we want to represent everybody for sure. Um, so yeah, let me, let me go back there and then I'll, I promise I'm going to get to you. Um, I, just, I just want to kind of bring back people's attention that why are we doing this? It's for our customers, okay? And couldn't the Float Tank Association maybe put out, send by email, a flyer, and we put up in our full centers saying basically, you know, kind of stating, I'm not very verbiage, so somebody make something and uh, that we can hang up and say, hey, you know, Float Tank Association needs your help. Five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, you know, send them a sticker for their car, send them some stuff. 
uh, give them access to say, uh, you know, let's say maybe put together a full tank association members only uh, uh, Facebook group. I mean, that's the way everybody's communicating now, but we need to kind of remember who are, who's supporting us? Ultimately, it's public. Right. So, uh, so you know, that's that's something else I just throw out there where we might be able to get some revenue and be able to have a full-time person that's on this all the time. It's great. That That's the kind of fundraising suggestions that we need yeah. to hear. You know, yeah. uh, I think that being a 501c of some sort, being a what's in place now, uh, those are tax-deductible donations. Yep. So whenever we, uh, as a flow center, I've got five tanks in operation and uh, $100 a tank. I, I just sent the order by text, pay that you know um you know we should get an email back saying okay this is our 501c code so it's tax deductible you know things like that and make that across the board for anybody that sends money to the float tank association and, and including the five dollar individuals that just love to float great idea so that's a big reach out great idea that's exactly that's exactly the kind of ideas that we're looking for um kind of like I love that you guys are connecting with the Float Collective, and I think like since there's a, the communication has a lot of um, growth still needing to happen. And I just like if if you have somebody or need somebody still that could maybe like be a part of your phone calls, and then afterwards post on Float Collective and just like keep everybody informed sure. and all the time. Yeah. Perfect. Sure. Uh, like, I mean, I'll show some context on that. Yeah, okay. These guys are all members of Flip Point. Yeah. Okay. They're all members Pick of Flip Point. Pick one person to be like the main voice. Take a bottle of that person. Well, transcribe the minutes on to the local active board. Flip Point. So, would you like that job? Because most of them want to see three demand that you have a newsletter. You have all those things, you know. So, so it's just. We have on the new website, there's a resources page that not only gives. You know all the available scientific information behind there, but it'll it'll also have things like the minutes from the meetings, mm -hmm. recordings of the meetings, the bylaws, uh, the mission. Yeah, like any, any anything that we can look at and consider a resource that might be useful to you guys. That, that's where that's where you're gonna find it. Are you using social media at all? Yes. Is there a page on Facebook? Location Tag Association. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, here's here's the thing. Like this is where where somebody might be able to step up help us like we're not that generation of people right well, you're not kidding right some people that like grows out of their hands all the time right yeah like if we had a 15 year old they'd probably really excel at that you know? so you know that's one place that you know we're, we're certainly happy to have that kind of help if somebody wants to be you know that for us uh, let me Kevin again. I just want to say um, thanks for having this meeting. Not that it's over, but um, you know we haven't to this point yet signed up for this political association. But I think after being in this meeting, you know, we can't um, go back in time. We can understand how we got here. We can understand where we're going to go forward. So you know, we're going to be signing up for the FDA and we have our support. Yeah, just like the page, you know, so these are the Yeah, yeah. So, speaking of moving forward, one of the scenarios that I'm entertaining is the barrier to entry for membership, right? So, one of the benefits of being an FTA member is, say, getting access to information and the right people. 
how does that compete with private consultants and consulting companies when you're comparing your value? You know, if I spent five hundred dollars with this consultant or with Tank Solutions or with this, now it's harder to choose, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's not an issue for me personally, but I'm just thinking that the possible scenarios that are going through and why they're not yeah. So what you bring up is a really interesting issue, especially for me. So earlier this spring, I did a, a cross-country trip, and uh, I was out doing business for my company, but I was also like stopping at other float centers and talking to people. And I, I saw situations that made me really uncomfortable. I saw, I saw float centers disabling manufacturers' equipment because the information that they bought from a consultant didn't square with the information that the manufacturer had given them, right? And so people were making the decision, well, okay, I, have, I bought this piece of equipment from this guy, but I paid for this packet of information and I wanna do this, I wanna do what I paid for. But this information they got was just absolutely wrong, right? So, I, I feel that same concern that you have. Like, where, where is it best to put your money? What, what we don't want to do is limit people's ability to operate in a free market. If you want to be a consultant, and you want to put out a business plan, and you want to put out you know, a recommended operations for your float center, you should be able to do that, right? We'd just like to have the opportunity to take a look at that information, make sure it squares with our standard, so that we're all on the same page and so that we don't cause confusion for health officials and some of these agencies that seek to regulate us. Yeah, we can have the same certifications for consultants and people selling plans too. Jeremy? Yeah, I was had another idea. I've recently signed up for a membership for our, like our, our local NPR station. And one thing that helped with that is they took what would normally be a larger lump sum yearly membership, and they just had where your yearly membership is taken out, withdrawn monthly, and that made it a lot more affordable. So it went from I think it was something like six hundred dollars a year to fifty bucks a month. That's great. So just having that set up where that's an option where. You know, if you're a strap float center, that the 200 or 250 could be hard in one lump sum, but you can pay it out at 30 bucks a month or something. Well, that's that's a great easy. idea, and you might see more memberships that way. Also, crowdfunding. You know, set up a crowdfunding page, and even if that money just goes like what you get for your money is a a membership or whatnot, people like reposting that, and you can have an option on there, like you were saying for the uh, you know for floaters, you know. And I mean, I think Shane Stott wanted to get sixty thousand dollars for a uh, uh, documentary. Yeah. I mean, that was the floating issue. So these are great ideas. This is why we need you guys, right? Because we're we're pretty consumed with what we have on our plate now. Right. You guys are coming up with ideas that we haven't even thought of. This is great. Come on. There's, there's a crowdfunding website called Patreon that does monthly payments. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Our Mark. Right. Yeah, so one of the things that I keep hearing reoccurring today is communication, right? And we all know communication's got to get better. We're going to, there's things in place. Are there any plans 
from the FTA side to have another meeting like this not attached to somebody else's conference that we would have to be beholden to what we can and can't say, we can't get on stage, etc. Is there any public meetups, discussions, even virtual, um, that are planned before next global conference? You know? Well, what? we do it weekly. So if anybody wants to get on the calls, I mean, it's not a public thing, but we get together weekly. If there are groups of people that want to find out to talk to us, we can set up a meeting any day. We can organize that. I think what you're describing is like an AGM. Yeah, I mean, another event. So, so, well, I mean, there's different ways to do it, right? But there needs to be, if, we, if you have 100 people get on a phone call, it's not yeah. the best. Yeah. It's kind of rough. As but there are, I mean, so I work for a company that has tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, and we do quarterly all-hands calls. That means anyone available can call in on a video conference line, and the president of my company will answer questions. Obviously, not everyone's, but it's facilitated. Yeah. That would be simplicity itself. To, to I think a quarterly thing would be perfect. It would give us the time to work through details on our weekly meetings, yeah. and then mm -hmm. quarterly or so, we could we could sort of report back to you guys right. about the progress that we're making and, and where we need more help. Because at the end of the day, it's got to be tactical. You, you guys have to move, make decisions, right? right? But I think the frustration that I keep hearing is just, you know, we want to provide money and resources, but we also want to know things are being done. It's yeah. not just discussion. Absolutely. You know, so that just might be something to look at. Okay. There were hands a minute ago. Over here. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just attending the uh, over the next door. I don't remember which one it was going, but they discussed low states, you know, not resisting. It seems like a lot of this, you know, you guys have a really tough job. You're the old guard. You guys came up with this stuff. You pioneered it. You were leading edge, you know, your time. And now you've got this, um, you know, beautiful thing, the floating association. This is, this is awesome. This is amazing. You know, this is something that we all desperately want um, to come to fruition. We want you to be the best you could possibly be. You know, just I see that there's a lot of, um, resources that aren't utilized properly in this time time change and we just want to make sure you know, I'm willing to put money into this because I want to see it work. I just we need to see an effective um, leadership to take take it to the next level to provide um, what it needs to be in this time and age to for this growing industry it's it's blown up so it's it's a lot on your guys' shoulders. And I really want to say which I appreciate all the work you guys have done. We really value that, and I know it's not a, it's not an easy job, but just getting you know you have untapped, untold resources. The, the trick is finding the right person that can allocate that and get that moving and get that flow. You know, stop resisting and get it working for us. We all want to be together. We all want to work together to make this work. It's a great point. I mean, part of part of what's been going on with within this organization is, you know, we, we, we kind of got blindsided by the CMAC thing. It was, it, it was happening and, and uh, we didn't really actually know about it until it was almost too late. Like we didn't even find out we were being included in the change request 
until the comment period was beginning, right? So we, we've, we've been really sprinting to, to play catch up to, and try to get out ahead of this stuff. And uh, it's, it's, it's not the only thing that we have to do, but it has been very time consuming. Do you guys have, do you have a Facebook page? Yes. Because I know you're all problem the flow collective is going to help us resolve right yeah, I think we, be fantastic we, we need their help in, in just being better communicators reaching out there through social network and things like that they're just masters there's been some miscommunication around perception of a rivalry or a divide between the two groups. Mm -hmm. And so what we just did was dissolve that and help everybody realize there is no divide, there's no rivalry, we're, we're not competing with each other. It's totally complementary. <coughs> so now all these lovely people know that uh, they're totally free to use Float Collective and publish on the Float, on the FTA page. So it's both, to answer the question. Yeah. Publishing on the FTA page and then sharing that. So let me let me go back there. bringing up like we, we can have a lot of conversations about a lot of things but the CMAC issue could really yeah. you know put the hammer down on the whole industry so, so you can mention it and he is a voice and he's on the board I didn't know that but he's on the board and he is speaking tomorrow right or Sunday who's that sure oh, Sunday Yeah, so uh, I don't know if you were here when we talked, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but it's just a decision that the conference made this year to um, not, not get the conference behind the FTA. So, and, and they, they, had, they had legitimate reasons for that and we chose to respect that. They were nice enough to give us this chance to have the workshop and it's, this was a really good group. 
you know, we've had a full room all, all evening, and, and that's an important start. So uh, because, because the conference as a whole is not giving us more of a platform in terms of like talking about us during the main body of the conference, this is really important for the people that are here to help us spread the word this weekend and get, get people over here. So. Turn it into, he can spit it into a positive thing. We need to just advocate. We all need to. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I plan to go rogue tomorrow and bring it. <laughs> <laughs> at the um, registry, at the, at the front, um, a table, when you're signing up we, for the conference. We asked for that. And, okay, so who do we need to talk to about that? Well, the, the, the flow conference organizers. Right. So pretty much I mean, the flow tank association needs to be... So what they said about that is it's pretty hectic at the registration desk. And that would add to confusion. Well, I see it as you're going to register for the conference, then you walk, and then there's Flow Team Association, and then you go in. Can be next table <laughs> over. Doesn't have to be the same table, just be next table. Well, there needs to be a flow of information here on the third floor. We totally support that idea. And if, and if you want to talk to the organizers Absolutely. about that, like we, yeah. we, we tried to do that, but we have to be respectful of their wishes. They work really hard to, to put this conference on and we don't want to get in their way. Sure. And so maybe if you guys express to them that you think that it would have been important for them to, to um, focus more attention and give us more of a platform, then maybe next year they'll, they'll consider that. If, if yeah, just, still just, next year. just on that, conferences are built by the people who attend. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> feedback from every, all of us, I mean, we, most people that are attending this conference have almost entirely dedicated their life savings to opening up flow centers, and, and some more, right? <laughs> so, I mean, our feedback is exactly what generates content and behavior and setup for these type of conferences, right? Or, if that feedback is not heard appropriately, then we need to form other conferences through other organizations. I mean, it's as simple as that. Which, by the way, there is another really great conference that's put on by Kevin and Jake from uh, yeah. STL. Um, St. Louis. So I take St. Louis. So rise. Just okay. as a little plug for those guys, I, I was there Texas in April. Absolutely incredible. So this is only one resource for our community. We have other people now that are stepping forward, and they, and they, they have a little different take on uh, in the kind of ideas that they put forward in their conference. And it was it was beautiful, guys. Good job on that. So uh, we just have a couple more minutes, and I, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. So um, we, I, we could take one more if anybody has something that they really feel needed to get answered. Okay. Well, come to the come to the booth. Send other people to the booth. You guys could really help in, by being advocates for us this weekend and raising awareness that we're here and that we want to help. Please feel free to you know come by, 
talk to us, give us information, like this, this is what we want. And thanks for showing up here. Thank you so much for listening to the FTA audio here. I hope that was worthwhile. I hope that was listenable enough for you to get all the content because I think there was a really uh, a lot of really good content in there. Uh, before we go, I want to give a shout out to FloatAway, our sponsors, who, as I've mentioned before, have been with us since the beginning. And uh, a few things that you should know about FloatAway are that they're actually doing things beyond just the float tanks. If you listen to uh, the episode with Colin, they're working on making sure that the air is the same temperature, higher up above and down below. Uh, they also do vibration pads that can be custom built for different float tanks as well. And they're, they're beefy. We have them underneath our newest Tranquility float tank as well. So it's not just float tanks with them, although they do make a lot of float tanks as well. Floataway.com is where you want to go to check it all out and get in contact with those guys. They're amazing, super sweet people. Uh, you just do yourself a favor by, by getting to know these guys. I also want to just in closing say uh, thank you to everybody who is supporting us on Patreon. Thank you to everybody who just listens to the show. Uh, it means so much to us. I uh, also want to put it out there that I am available for consulting as well. There's a consulting tab on artofthefloat.com if you would like some assistance in starting or refining your float center. And also just give a shout out to Anna, who's writing the show notes. Thank you so much. She writes these every week. So thank you so much, Anna. And until next time, remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. We'll see you next week.